you know, speaking about bolder steps and challenges this morning, I want to get straight into the message this morning, is that today I want to look at something. I want to look at the topic of fear. It's a four-letter word we don't want to talk about a lot. Fear. You know, we're in this message series called Give Me Faith. Anyone need any faith in the room? Oh, we need faith. In fact, it's impossible to please God without faith. You can do some stuff, but if it's not done in faith, then we aren't really transferring the economy of heaven into the currency we need to trade in heaven's agenda on earth. We need to move in faith. You know, how many know here, friends, that fear is an equal opportunity destroyer? There's no one who's not affected by it. Let me prove this. I do this with the students. I'm traveling around the country training and equipping, and I'll say them this. I'll say, hey, right now on a piece of paper, I want you to write down one thing that you would do, one thing that you would do if you were bolder or more confident. Just think, just, just think while you're sitting here now, while you're sitting here, just think to yourself, what would you do differently in your life right now if you were a bit bolder or a bit more confident? Take a moment, just think about it. Maybe that business, maybe, what, what would you do? I want to tell you, if you have written down anything on that mental piece of paper in your mind, anything at all, then I propose that fear has already limited you. If you've already thought, well, yeah, I believe this, I do this, I don't know, chances are, not always, but chances are that fear has already limited you. It's already impacted you. It's already put you in that box. You know, Apostle Paul said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us that spirit. We're going to feel frightened at times. We can't have courage without fear. But he has not given us that spirit. So what does that mean? If God hasn't given it, then walking and remaining in fear is actually faith in the wrong kingdom. Would you agree? Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. Now, there's healthy fear. There's a fear of God. You know, the reverent awe of him, the one that can judge. We all stand before God and give an account of our life. But there's also fear that keeps you from your future. And that's what I want to speak into today. That's what I want to look at. And the message title I've got this morning is choose, everyone say choose, faith over fear. I actually thought I had my slide around the wrong way. I thought I had fear in front of faith. Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> Slight mind mess. Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning for the choice, and it is a choice, to walk in your faith and not be swallowed up by fear. Lord God, I just pray across this room right now, there are many people I feel in the transitions of their life. You're literally in a transition point. There is some stuff that you're trying to dust off from the past. The Lord's saying, don't dust that off. I have the new for you. So I pray now that they step and choose faith in their walk today. And I pray you speak to faith in everyone's heart this morning, mine included. And everyone said, Amen. Wow. It was a number of years ago, actually. We, um, excuse me, I'll have a drink of water. Uh, we had, um, I took our kids to the most terrifying place in New Zealand. You've totally got it. Yeah, you are seriously right. <laughs> yeah, we took them to Rainbow's End. We took them to Rainbow's End. I did not know how terrifying that experience was going to be. I, I really did not. 
And I, um, you know, it, some of it was good. Like, you know, we had like, this right up the top there. That was pretty cool. You're on this big disc thing. You're spinning around and around. It doesn't spin so fast you're going to fly off. But, you know, you're just, and it goes back, and it's sort of a gentle. The roller coaster was pretty cool. It wasn't, like, real terrifying, but it was, it was up there. It was an 8 out of 10. Um, this one here was, I, I don't think I'll go back on that one. That, that one, that big drop, uh, that, ain't, that ain't of the Lord at all. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, some things in that park that just aren't of the Lord. And, um, but I want to tell you, there was uh, one ride, and it was this one here. It's called the Stratus Fear. Fear, okay? And my son Jack, and when I got into the park, it was swinging just like this. That's what it was swinging like. It just sort of has two modes. It has this mode for people who just want to experience the joy of looking across the park. And then there's the ride for people who are clinically insane. And, um, and literally, this thing just goes up and up. And uh, look, there's the top of it. Look at this. Look at look how look how small the buildings are. Look at those people there. Now you see, when I went to hop in this, my son Jack said, "Dad, can we go on this?" Now I'd only seen it go at that level. And I thought, "Oh, I'll, I'll have a look at the park. That'd be great. Yeah, just get up there and have a bit of a look around the park." Well, we went on the one for the insane people. So I hopped on, but I didn't realize. I sort of thought the harnesses. I thought they locked you in, but they don't. They're this one-size-fit-all scenario. And I'm not really a thick-set person, you know. And so this thing comes down, and there's a buckle that goes in, and I'm waiting for it to, like, suck you in to make you feel safe, you know. It didn't happen. It did not happen at all. In fact, it stayed loose. So then the floor sucks away, and it's starting to swing. And I'm, I'm going, hey, man, this is, hey, this is not, <laughs> this is not working. <laughs> I'm freaking out up here. I'm like, no way. I could actually get my shoulder out like this. While I was going, and I was pulling this thing in, and I'm like terrified, and that starts moving up into this. It gets to this gradient here, and in your mind, you utterly cannot think that this can physically go any further. You think this is impossible, and it does. It went right up, upside down, and it stayed there for an hour. <laughs> Maybe for three or four seconds, but it felt like an hour. I'm up there. I, it swung back the other way, and I'm just... My goodness, it's hung up there for another hour, and my son Jack was laughing away, and, he, and I'm on this thing's loose, I'm grasping on for dear life, and my son turns to me and goes, Dad, I'm like, what? We're upside down, there, up, up there, that, that was us there, you know, I go, what? He goes, imagine if we fell out. <laughs> Literally what he said, imagine if we fell out. I said, this is not a conversation I want to have right now, you know. Man, I, want to I don't know how I'm going to work this into the message. Um, <laughs> I want to tell you that God's plans for you are bigger than your plans for you. They're going to be pretty frightening at times. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans, the thoughts I think towards you, say the Lord. He has, it doesn't say that you know them. It says he's thinking them. But you don't know them yet until he reveals them. You know, another scripture there says, for my thoughts are not your Thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. They're different, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's plans are bigger than you. In fact, they have to be bigger than you, or otherwise why would you need God? You think about it. If, if your plans were plenty sizable enough, 
Why would you need him? In fact, I think many people live their life like that. They live their faith life in this bubble of not taking that next progressive step. And so what happens is we don't actually experience the his thoughts and his ways. And in that place, we actually start to limit how God can move in us. You know, but we need to, I, I don't want the high points of my li- life to be something that's humanly possible. You know, when I'm walking out on the street, I, sometimes I pray for people and occasionally you see a healing take place. You know, that's something that's impossible for me to do. You know, but the Bible says that God is able to make all grace, everyone say all grace, all grace, not some grace, not just the grace for the stuff that you'd like to do, but all grace abound you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, that you will abound, not just limp by, that you will abound in every good work. You know, there's some work you're probably doing that ain't good, probably stuff he hasn't called you into. You're wondering why it's not abounding. Maybe you need to check again where God has assigned you to be. You know, but the number one thing that holds us back, I find, is fear. Choose faith over fear. You know, we need faith. Faith, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, that means hearing is present tense. It's not that you heard something last year. You might have got a great word in church. You might have got an inspiration from someone. But I want to tell you something. If you heard something, I'm glad you got something. But my Bible says faith comes by hearing, meaning now. Meaning something fresh today, this year, this month. That's where faith comes from. And faith feels like it ain't going to work. That's what it feels like when you're walking. When you're walking, you feel faithless. There's a story I want to share as we finish up today. Uh, from the book of Kings, it's about a prophet called Elijah. If you've got Bibles or on your phone, just turn your, your phone on and at least make it look like you're pulling up a Bible. Maybe you could be texting your grandmother. I don't know, but just bring it up so it makes it look like you're doing something. You know, I want to tell you that I really need to say this. I, I think people need to read their Bibles more. That's what I'm really feeling. I'm not talking about religious reading. I'm talking about spiritual reading. I meet people that say, oh, I read that book. Well, yeah, if you read it like you're reading Women's Weekly, you're probably not going to get a lot out of it. It's spiritually discerned. The Bible says that it medicates us. The word meditation, because we meditate in the Bible, it says we meditate on His Word, we meditate in the Spirit. That word meditate actually translates to medicate. And if you're struggling in some stuff, when was the last time you medicated on the Word? I just want to just release this out to say, well, one of the things that I do each day when I can, it's not always like that, it gets a bit busy in our house, is I will read one full verse, one, that's the full thing, one, two, of Psalms in the morning, and uh, one full verse of Proverbs in the morning. Not just one of them, the whole thing, right? Sometimes I read two or three Psalms and Proverbs. So in the morning, I'm waking up to wisdom. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just make that part of my morning devotion. But anyway, we're going to load to 1 Kings 19. I just want to quickly skim on this because I, I just don't want to spend a lot of time on a backstory here, but Elijah was an incredible prophet. He sort of appears out of nowhere, and he disappears equally the same. He was taken up in a whirlwind. And we just understand that as this prophet, he turns up with an incredible mandate. One of the mandates was in the land was a king called Ahab, and there was a, a, his, his, his wife was called Jezebel. And we know about that spirit. And she, was, she actually wanted to take down God's kingdom, wanted to take everything of God's kingdom down. She was killing their prophets. She was destroying uh, everything that had to do with God. And that goes going on right through the generations. Even World War II, 
was about attacking Jewish people, God's people. You see, this has gone on through the generations. And we have this spirit that appears. And you may have some of that happening in your life right now where you feel things are being pulled down. But there was this meeting that Elijah had. He turns up in front of Ahab the king. They were looking for him. He turns up in front of him. And he, Ahab starts to question him and starts to say, you are troubling our nation. You've stopped the rain. You're causing all these problems. And Elijah goes, actually, you're the problem. You and your wife are the problem. You are worshiping other gods and you're not worshiping me. You're not worshiping the one true God. Not Elijah, but the one true God. And Ahab disagrees, so he says, fine. He puts him to the test. Elijah says, let's have a meeting place. You bring all of your prophets, all of them, 850 priests of Baal and Asherah. We're going to go to Mount Carmel. You make an altar, I make an altar, and we're going to, whose God uh, answers with fire on that altar, that is whose God it is. That is the one true God. And he agreed. So they started to make these altars. They went up to uh, Mount Horab. They made an altar. Elisha made an altar. And it says, from the morning to the evening, the priests of Ashar, uh, Asherah and Baal actually cut themselves and were cursing and just doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, imagine coming to work, church, cutting yourself up. I mean, <laughs> be very, that's how they did church in those days, those guys. So they're on top of this mountain, cutting themselves, cursing um, Elisha, doing everything. Day and night, nothing happens. And then Elijah steps on the page. He steps up. He reassembles the altar that they had kicked over and smashed down. He then put his offering on it, and then he poured water all over it. And then he just called and said, God, come. And we know the story, and I'm just skimming over it very quickly. But what happened was the fire of God fell on that sacrifice. It licked up the water. It totally consumed it. At that moment, everybody saw what was taking place. And in that moment... It must have been like Holy Spirit power came on Elijah. And it said that they captured all those priests of Baal and they ended up slaughtering them all. Not a lot of forgiveness in those days. And then what happened? All of those priests were wiped out. That was Jezebel's prophetic army. Here's the interesting thing that happened. Ahab goes home, tells his wife of this. and says, man, you're not going to believe it. The rain has started again. All of your prophets, they've all been killed, all been wiped out. You should have seen the fire that came down out of the sky. Man, it was crazy. And then she said this. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me ever be it so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, dead. And then the, here's the next line. This is the line that doesn't get me. Look at this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Did you get the backstory? The backstory was he's up on top of the mountain. He has killed 850 priests of Baal He started rain three and a half years ago. He stopped it. He's had this incredible victory, like a revival would have in, in, our, in our days. It's just an incredible thing. And then it says here, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. I want to tell you, friends, that fear has marked every person who's done anything of significance in the Bible. Every person. Esther, to save her Jewish kin, she had to risk her life. Moses was terrified of his call. He actually just wanted to run away. Peter lied three times. I mean, I just go through every single person. You know, sometimes we just have that one person in our life that really messes up uh, uh, us up. Have any of you had that person? 
that one person that just pushes all your buttons? You know, but what he was experiencing here, Elijah was experiencing a spiritual attack. But in this place, there's three things that I feel the Lord wants me to speak to you about. There are three things that Elijah demonstrated that I feel need to be broken in this room this morning. Amen? The first thing that Elijah displays when we need to choose faith over fear, the first thing he demonstrated was irrational behavior. Anyone ever had any irrational behavior in their life? (laughs) Someone went, no, not me. Irrational behavior. Elijah rose and ran for his life. You know, it was um, counselor, Christian counselor Dave Rydell said when the response to a situation, your response to a situation is out of whack for the question being asked, meaning you blow up or clam up, then you know you've been hit by a bruise from your past, something you haven't healed from. You know, you might be making someone a cup of coffee. Was that one sugar or two? One will be fine. You put two in. I'm so sorry, I put two in. What? Two? You know, that's that's an irrational behavior. Blow up. They have got a bruise from their past that has not been healed. You know, sometimes there's just things in life that cause us to run. We don't know why. We know God is calling us to something, but I've just got to run away. You know, some people come to me and say, Alistair, I'm thinking of doing this and this, but I don't want to do that, and I'm going to go over here. But I said, that feels like the God thing. Like, I don't know about that. And I say, well, if you're going to, you have to make a decision. Are you running from something or are you running to something? We have to ask ourselves that in the decisions we make in our lives. You know, Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know? The wicked flee when no one pursues them. In other words, what is pursuing them? It's the thoughts of their mind. It's the troubles in their hearts. I want to tell you, friends, Jesus didn't do the opposite of what the devil did. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And that's how we're meant to live. We're meant to live this way. We're meant to live by only doing what we see the Father doing. We're meant to be running. Sometimes we're limping towards the things God has for us. But I found if you wiggle your toes in the direction of the Lord, he will empower that even more. You know, the irrational place actually believes one very big lie that I found. This is a big one I found. It's this. Have you ever heard this lie? Time heals all wounds. Sounds pretty good. Time heals all wounds. Isn't it interesting? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say time will heal you. My Bible says, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not the time that sets you free, it's truth. And to prove that theory true, if time was what healed you, then people in prison would be the most whole people on the face of the earth, but they're not. Who has more time than someone in prison? The ones that come out whole are the ones who have got truth while they're in there. Amen? 
It's the truth that sets you free, not the time. Look, time will give you some perspective. Time will give you a break. Look, we all need time to heal at times. I get that. But if you went into your time and didn't get truth, you come out of it with a scab where there should have been a healing. And I know how to uncover that scab. Let's just say you, you went through a very serious uh, a problem at work and you just had to take a break. You went away and you, you went back and you came back six months later and you just felt like, yep, I've got over that, I'm good, but you never got truth. You know how I know there's a scab there? All as I have to do is raise that issue again with you. What happened in that workplace? And what will happen is you, as the scab comes off, you go, no, oh, that thing. In other words, it never did heal because you let time do the work. We didn't let truth do the work. If we don't let truth do the work, then we don't have a testimony. That's what happens. If we don't let truth do the work, we get stuck in the pain of our story and we just go round and round on it. Truth overcomes fear and insecurity. The next thing, when we talk about choosing faith over fear, the next thing that Elijah demonstrated was confusion. A lot of confusion out there in the world at the moment about a lot of things. Maybe there's confusion in your walk about your faith with the Lord. I don't know. But in 1 Kings 19, it's that God, what happened was after Elijah experienced that spiritual attack from Jezebel, he was tormented. He ran. It said for about 40 days he ran. And he ran. And he ran. And what happened was he ran up a mountain. And when he got to the mountain, the Lord said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? When God is saying something like that to you, you know that you're probably a bit messed up in your thinking. What on earth are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? The thing that loves me about it is even in your place of torment or worry or concern or confusion, you can run completely opposite to where you're supposed to be going, but he still found God. Did you notice that? God will you, will you will run to his feet if you love the Lord. Even in your place of pain, you'll run to his feet. What are you doing here? He starts to give this whole story about how they're going to kill him and how this is happening and how that's happening. And you know the story that he, he comes against the mountain in a storm and a, and a wind and a, and a fire. And he says, I'm not in those things, but I'm in the, what was it? The still, gentle voice. See, one of the reasons the enemy wants to keep you in confusion is he wants to take away from you the still, gentle voice of the Lord that guides you in your heart. Did you know did you know there's a bunch of people that study iceberg movements? Did you know that? Yeah, they study it. Like, what a bizarre thing to study. I said to my wife, Tania, I'm just going to go away for six months and study blocks of ice moving in the water. <laughs> you know, I don't know when I'll be back. You know, they, they need studying. They're there. You know, people get funding for that. Funding for studying the movement of ice. Bizarre activity. It's like, it's like me saying, well, I'm just going to go and watch the grass grow. I need several hundred thousand dollars in a big boat, and I'm just going to go watch the grass grow. You know, it's just, what a strange thing. But anyway, um, sorry if I've offended anybody that does that for a job, but um, <laughs> I certainly hope not. Here's the deal. When these people studied these, I don't know what they call those people. There must be ice studiers or whatever. When these scientists that have spent 10 years studying ice movements, they found something interesting. They found that when they watched the ice, uh, that the really big, big ice would be going one direction in a body of water, and the little ice would be going the complete opposite direction in the same body of water. 
They're all moving like this, different directions. But wasn't that really unusual? Well, why is that? What, what, wouldn't they all be going the same way, like a tide? You know, you think that would be what would be happening. They found something interesting, that when they studied it, they found this. That the big ice was moving with the current of the water, but the little ice was moving with the wind. So whatever way the wind was going is the little ice would be moving with that, but the big ice was going with the current. And I think we can be like this ourselves. Ephesians 4, 4 says, do not be tossed about with every wind of teaching. I think sometimes what can happen is we can get so wound up in some stuff that we can be, be caught up with this social media feed, with this Instagram feed, with this feed here, this. Sometimes we just got to turn social media off. Sometimes we just got to stop watching the news because I'm sick and tired of watching what the devil's up to. He kills, steals, and destroys. And so we get caught by every wind of doctrine. We move like those little cues, but the big ones move with the current of what God is doing. Amen? You know, Timothy struggled and battled in himself. He battled. He battled in his role. He was terrified of his role. And, and Paul said to this, he said, I'm giving you this command, Timothy, in keeping with the prophecies made about thee, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. You know, we believe in the prophetic in this church. And you need, a prof you need the prophetic to guide you. It's not the only voice. It's one of many. But we need to remember what God has spoken over us so that we can go forward like that big iceberg into the current that he's leading you in. Amen? You know, Henry Ford said, obstacles are those frightful things you have when you take your eye off the goal. We saw this with Peter when he hopped out of the boat. He walked on the water. It said, but when he took his eyes off the goal, he took his eyes off Christ and he looked at the wind and the waves, he sunk into his circumstances. And you can sink into your circumstances as well. You can just sink right into them. Just take your eyes off Jesus. Just take your eyes off him. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't go to church. Just, just walk your own way. You can do it. But you'll start to sink into life's circumstances. Amen? Maybe, Gary, maybe just turn the lights down and just put the music on on the background there. You know, the last thing we've got here that I've got that Elijah struggled with. And I, I really hope, oh, actually, no, we have to stop that, Gary, because they won't be able to see what I'm doing, won't they? Good. Maybe we'll get the band up. Maybe just play in the background. We don't have the power to be able to do both. Go back to that. The next thing, the last thing that I want to put up there today, when he struggled with what he was struggling with, is this. It said he struggled with isolation. You know, 1 Kings 19, 14 says, I am left alone and they seek to take my life. I want to tell you something. There's a scripture in Proverbs 18 that says this. It says, it may not be on the board there. I'm not going to put it up. I'll just speak it. It says, a person who isolates themselves rages against all wise counsel. Elijah had actually isolated himself. He wasn't actually he wasn't isolated by people because no one was actually chasing him. Did you know that? There was no army on his back, not physically there. There was a threat. There was an intimidation. But there wasn't actually an army there. He isolated himself. And sometimes what can happen is we can isolate ourselves from people, 
We can isolate ourselves from the word of the Lord. We can just isolate ourselves. You know, I remember the story of Jonah in the Bible. Jonah was a prophet who was sent to Nineveh to tell the people to turn from their ways. And he did not do it. He did not go. And the reason he didn't go is because he knew that God was so good that they would be forgiven. So he ended up jumping on a boat, ended up going completely the opposite direction. And we know the story. A storm came. Everybody was getting worried. What is going on? They all prayed to their gods. In the end, it worked out that it was, it was actually Jonah's issue. So they chucked him over the side of a boat. It says he was in the belly of a whale for three days. What is one of the meanings of that story? He was in the belly of the fish for three days. I want to tell you, sometimes I get people who come to me and they say, oh, I'm struggling in my job or I'm struggling in my relationship or I'm struggling in this area. The devil is attacking. I say, okay, okay, sounds pretty serious, man. I say, well, why are you getting harassed at work? What's going on? They say, oh, well, the boss just keeps on just harassing me. I say, okay, well, why are they harassing you? Oh, is this the devil? No, 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 no. Tell me why they're harassing you. Oh, well, I keep on turning up late. I, I, I'm going to tell you, friend, I, I don't think that the enemy's on your back. I, I think that you're being like Jonah, that you've been put in the belly of the fish, and you need to repent, and you need to get to work on time. <laughs> you know, sometimes it isn't the enemy attacking. Sometimes it's actually the love of God guiding us to what we need to be doing. Amen? You know, so we've got these three things. Irrational. If you are feeling irrational in your life, you need more truth. If you're feeling isolated, we need people around us we trust and are going to draw us forward. We can't afford to be people who try and do this life alone. Try and live via your Facebook feeds and, and, and media. Confusion, remember, you have to remember what has already been spoken over you. What has been said to you. In your high moments, when you were here in the Lord, might have been 10 years ago, and you felt like you were just stirring it on and going, this is great. Remember that time. What was God saying? Because that is where he wants you to be. You know, I want you to stand up this morning. We're just going to do that last little bit of the song there. Just Holy Spirit. Just this last little bit there. Just going to sing it quietly in the background. You know, maybe today, if you're feeling irrational, isolated, confused, maybe you're feeling like life's not worth living. That's a big one. If you're especially feeling that last one, that was one of the temptations that was put on Jesus in the, put on Jesus in the, uh, in the desert. That is a mark that you may be under a spiritual attack. Amen? If you are feeling like those things are on you, then there's a place for you to come up and receive prayer this morning. If you're fine, that's fine. Just stay where you are. It's not a big altar call this morning, but it's an opportunity if you need prayer. But I want to tell you something, friends. This is what I want you to leave with today. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift of God He imparted to you when you had the laying on of hands. You know, there needs to be a fanning into flame of the gift of God in your life. A fanning into flame. Sometimes we stand around this little flame and go, man, it's getting small. He says, no, no, you're meant to blow on that thing. You're meant to allow my spirit to blow on that thing. 
And just remember, your talent that you've been given is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift back to God. Remember I said to you a few weeks ago that God isn't responsible for your potential. He will set everything up for you, but you can choose to bury that talent or you can choose to do something with that.